0: two sisters, two ways. Hi, I'm Raquel. And I'm Sarita. Parallel Ways is a podcast of sisters sharing insights into their millennial lives. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. So we've got an exciting episode today, but before we get started, I wanted to jump in And tell you all about my first little tiff with P when it comes to wedding planning. So, Rock, you'll find this entertaining. So yesterday we were working on the wedding invites. And they got shipped to us. So we just received them. And we were printing out the names on the envelopes. Which is like a relatively easy process. Except I am like trying to be extremely considerate when it comes to people's names. You know what I mean? Oh, no. So you changed your last name nice and easy. Some folks didn't change their last name. Some folks hyphenated their last name. And then I was thinking like, how formal do I want to be on that two line? So some people do like Mr. and Mrs. And then the man's first name and last name. And I am like, not for that. So I decided to do man's name, woman's name, family, last name, and family if needed. So it was just a lot of stress. Anyways, we're printing these out. And the envelopes are coming out, and P is, like, not following, like, the order on the spreadsheet. He's just, like, laying them out everywhere. And I'm, like, stuffing them, and I'm, like, do it in order. He's, like, no, I'm just going to go through the list, and as I find people, I'm just going to mark them on the spreadsheet. And I'm, like, okay, but I have to also quality control, like, the names and the spelling, because while I thought it was correct, there were two spelling errors that I had. So we got in a bit of tiff, and my sister-in-law, who was helping to, like, shepherd the process, was, like, do you guys need to go on a walk? And I was like, no, this is how we communicate.
1: <laughs> yes. It makes people feel uncomfortable, but that's how you communicate. Brian feels the same way when he's around that. When I'm goes, yelling. Oh, they that was uncomfortable. I was like, oh no, they were fine. That's just how they talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the first time my sister-in-law saw it. I'm sure she was like, oh, they need to go to therapy. But I mean, it's not like we're yelling. We're just talking very loud. I would
1: say that you're communication has certainly improved over the years so right. it's not
0: something I'm concerned about I kind of laughed afterwards because then we went to dinner and then we were talking about other stuff at dinner and then we got home we started talking and saying oh you need to be a better communicator with this like you can't get stressed out about this and we just like talked through it and I'm sure my sister-in-law our sister-in-law was like thinking that the issue just goes away but we actually always work through it yeah and I'm
1: very proud of you instead of Pressing to work through the issue in the moment. I mean, I'm still pressing buttons. Trust me. No, but pressing for the resolve. You always do that. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: when I tiff with people, or if like there's an uncomfortable situation, I push to like figure it out in the moment. Yeah, you do. And Rock told me that some people are processors and they need time to reflect. Yeah, exactly. And I said, well. I'm immediate results person. Why do I have to be the one to make the concession? You're not
1: making the concession because also too, it could take P like five days to process it and he's doing it in a couple of hours. Five days? What the hell are you doing for five days? No, I'm just giving an example. So you see, but once again, it's always like what I have to do, what I have to sacrifice. Look at it from the other perspective. A, they have to process and you don't know what that
0: processing time is. I would like to say I do, think about him that's why I don't press it anymore it's not a concession but But you just said okay but this is actually a perfect segue into our topic today and concessions and feeling that you have to make a concession when you shouldn't feel that way and it's just a retraining I don't press him now on issues because I know that's the right thing to do oh good and now this leads into our topic today which is cancel culture So this has been a topic that we have wanted to talk about for quite some time. We didn't do it in season one, just because we felt like there was a lot of other things we wanted to cover. And we felt like this topic gets a bit real. Yes.
1: And season one was really intended for us to kind of lay a foundation in terms of learning more about us. And so one of the things that we want to do in season two is to talk about topic that we see in the news and in social media, I think that might be a little bit more relevant. And then now that you understand us
0: and our perspective, then these are things that we can talk about. It doesn't mean that we weren't relevant before. It's more of like hard hitting issues or like topics that may be a little more uncomfortable. Sure. I mean, we were always relevant. At least I was. Okay. So tell me a little bit about how you perceive cancel culture and how would you define it?
1: Well, before it was actually a term, it would be one of those things that you would see on the news about someone who did something that was offensive or offensive, I guess, basically, and then there's no longer that support for that individual. Like I've seen it with a lot of YouTubers, they'll do something offensive or something that's shady or dishonest, and then it hits news of what this person did, and then I'm like, oh, that person is not that great. Okay, well, I'm not going to follow them anymore. Over time, I've learned that there may be someone who does something like that, but then they'll apologize and their apology seems genuine and I still like them as a person. Then there's individuals that I'm willing to, I guess, forgive and still continue to support them. But I know that out there cancel culture now has gotten kind of crazy where it's like, this person did something bad or shady or whatever, dishonest, so no one should support them. And then it's like, if you continue to support them, then now you're criticized for supporting them.
0: Yeah, I mean, cancel culture today is a modern form of ostracism. It's like calling someone out for something they did. Let's talk about the pros and cons, because I think this will help break down some of the things you had just mentioned. Like, what's a pro of cancel culture? Well, it brings awareness
1: to... Uh, issues that may not always be on the forefront of of the media and those ones that usually have silent voices and representation so sometimes I think that's a pro because then I'm like yes you're bringing light to an issue that no one
0: ever really talks about and it's a there's a level of accountability people are being kind of like I don't know if I would call it accountability necessarily but being they're being called out and maybe that's the same idea as what you're saying you know more of uh, no,
1: it is, it, it is different because you're, you're saying that you're the one who said or did this thing and we're letting you know it's the bad thing and you're being held responsible for what your actions were, even if they were like a decade ago.
0: Yes. And I feel like cancel culture, maybe from where it stemmed from, was uh, marginalized groups who often felt silenced. And this is their way of saying, hey, I'm calling attention to this. Now be accountable for it. Yes.
1: it reminds me a lot. I started watching the morning show on Apple TV. Have you heard of that
0: show? Yeah, it's with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. I hear it's really good. I don't have Apple TV. Well, it's
1: essentially like the TV version of what happened with Matt Lauer. Oh, and so Steve Carell is like the Matt Lauer character in the show, and so it's interesting because the show shows how the show continues without him, but he's still like an active character in the show and saying like oh because um he goes consent he goes when was that ever in my contract right and then there's like a moral clause and that's what they used to like let him go and he was like oh now you're questioning my morals but it was consent i'm not a rapist like that it, it's very interesting to hear his character's perspective of the whole situation not saying that it's reflective of Matt Lauer but you know obviously he got canceled right yeah. like in that show so it's very interesting
0: And then the last thing that I can think of that's kind of a positive thing out of cancel culture is that it's impactful at a large scale. Social media allows us to get the focus in areas and have a lot of backing behind it, which could also be a con. How can cancel culture be harmful? Well, because I feel like it makes things,
1: uh, it polarizes people even more. The political climate's already like that, and we're just adding to that. It's either like you always have to pick a side. Yes, that's
0: the frustrating part about it because it's also very extreme. So if it forces you to pick a side, it prevents like the exchange of opinions. It's like you can't have an opinion that's not A or B. And the way that you truly get over these kind of polarizing
1: topics are by conversation and understanding. And so when you're making people pick a side, you don't see a lot of that happening to get to a true understanding and true change. About that situation,
0: and I think it can also be very toxic because the idea of cancel isn't just like boycotting. It's not like I'm just not going to buy their product. Canceling means I'm going to go find where they live. I'm going to go find their place of work. I'm going to learn as much as I can about them, and then I'm I'm going to try to get other people to do things. Well, it can't. It can be
1: that. But don't you think it's morphed into that? Uh, that that behavior then becomes to some level acceptable yes right or okay to do but some people just say oh if I'm canceling someone I'm not going to follow them I'm not going to buy their
0: products right some people do think of it I mean that's how I think of it but that's what I would call boycotting though but canceling seems like it's if I don't want to be a part of it like boycotting sounds like to me if I don't agree with this product I'm just not going to buy it canceling means hey guys I'm not buying it and no one else should too don't you think that's the difference? Otherwise, how do you differentiate cancel culture and boycotting?
1: I think what you're saying is that's a byproduct of the boycotting. The boycotting is it's not necessarily you don't like the product. You don't like what the product stands for. Correct. Right and like I've read that's a big thing for like millennials. Like they're going to support things that they stand behind not just simply the product itself.
0: True, but isn't there a difference between me saying, "I'm not going to support it because I don't believe in this brand" versus me saying, "Hey, you shouldn't either." And then if you do, me Then now I'm
1: mad at you. Yeah. But like I said, I think it's a byproduct or you can think of it as like a spectrum. Like if you get farther down into like cancel, true cancel culture, you see these more extreme behaviors. I think maybe that's what we're talking about here. So it's all within the same.
0: Yes, I think so. Okay. So now that we've talked a little bit about the pros and the cons, I think it's uh, maybe helpful to provide some context for what we're going to talk about next.
1: So we have our first semi-interview, I guess you can say it, asynchronous interview that we're going to share today, but we're going to do it in a format of, we had reached out to someone and we asked them questions and then they recorded their responses. So we're going to let you guys hear the responses and the questions, and then we're going to respond to that.
0: Yes. And so again, to kind of frame what we're talking about here, we're focused more on the cancel culture aspect, but it would be irresponsible to not also talk about like the context of where this is coming from. So Rod, do you want to talk about like the issue and then I'll jump into the relationship? Yeah. So I follow a lot
1: of like AAPI advocacy on Instagram. What's AAPI? Asian and Pacific Islander. Um, advocacy, right? Like uh, speaking up for the Asian American community. I came across this post where these Asian influencers that I follow, it was like, how shameful of this company. We shouldn't support them. It's a complete disrespect to the Asian culture and all this stuff or whatever. So I click on the link to the Instagram page and it's to this company that sells a game set so there's a very popular game called mahjong and this company sold sets of mahjong which are essentially a whole bunch of tiles with different characters or pictures on them and then you play the game it's it's not there's different versions of mahjong that people know how to play there's like the version where you just match tiles
0: yeah Um, so let me kind of explain mahjong so We're Chinese-American. All our lives we've played this game. It's very deep-rooted in Chinese culture. And the game itself, my mom had always told me it was created by a few guys in prison. I don't know if that's true. But this game is, like, very much a part of, like, our family gatherings. We learned how to play at a very young age. This game has now evolved. And like Rock said, there's multiple versions. When Chinese people first came to the U.S., they needed a way to bond and socialize with other people that were also Chinese. So they created these associations. So they would use like the last name of Chinese people. And if you all have that last name, you could join these associations. What you would do with these associations was it was like a club. And one of the things you would do is play mahjong, very big. And it was a way to socialize with other people who were also Chinese. And then eventually evolve and the associations would include other last names and other people would be part of it. But you think about it, you're immigrants, you don't speak the native language. How do you assimilate and how do you find people to connect with? Well, the first of that was these associations. So that's where Mahjong was really big in the US. Fast forward then, they created an American version of Mahjong, which most Chinese people are like, wait, what? There's an American version. They use the tiles, but the games, the rules of the game are completely different. And I would also say they took away components of the game to simplify it so it's not as difficult to win, right? Yeah. And there's like a scorecard and everything. And to
1: get an idea of what the game is and how you play, I find it to be very similar, I think, at the Rummy. Gin Rummy. Where you, yeah, Gin Rummy, where you have like pairs or you try to get sequences or the same suit. It's along those lines, but obviously a lot more complicated than that. Yes.
0: So go ahead. So you see this post. So I see this post,
1: and I'm really looking to see the product itself and why it's so offensive. So they've taken some signature tiles of the game, and then they've reworked them. So they made them more modern, or they They picked different designs. The, yeah, they changed the design completely. On the website, they were saying how they had created this game and there's the refreshed chinese, it Chinese yeah refreshed it or whatever without giving any homage to the the origin of the game or i guess the level the the sacredness i guess the the chinese culture hold to the game right like it didn't have any integrity to the the origin or the original form and it offended a lot of Asian Americans. I mean, even specifically to myself, I'm like, what is this? Like, you're monetizing something that is, like, how you mentioned, very deep rooted in the culture. Yes. And it's like you just made it, you like basically, you know, whitewashed the game to make it more appealing to other people. Then I shared the post with you, yes. and then you looked into it or whatever. And then when we did the research, we did realize, and I noticed that it was a gap in the AAPI advocacy accounts that I was following that there was a lack of awareness that there was like an American form of the game because a lot of Asian Americans didn't know that and that came as a huge surprise to them.
0: Yeah. So getting back to where you were, you see this post and you're appalled by it and you call me one night and you tell me about it. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at social media and I'm like digesting it. So we grew up in like a Jewish community. So I had heard of a lot of Jewish ladies getting together and playing mahjong. This whole time I thought they were playing, you know, the same mahjong the that I was playing. Form. Yeah. Yeah, but they're playing the what they call uh is it American mahjong? American mahjong. And then I started reading up on the rules and I'm like, "Oh, this is like different. This is like way easier. There's like a a sheet you look at and it changes every year." And it yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there's an association that has this American version. So as Rock's telling me all of this, like I'm just digesting it. And the first thing I feel is, man, what these folks are doing. I feel like there's it's not connecting. People are just throwing hating comments and the business probably doesn't understand why it's getting all this hate. And, you know, let's connect. So I told Rock I felt really compelled to reach out and like I don't reach out. I have so many things going on in my life. I'm always trying to Well, I feel like for you To some extent, the
1: game itself means a lot to you, and you understand why it means a lot to you, and I felt like you were compelled to want to share that because clearly from what you have gathered, there was a misunderstanding of the intent of this company and what they were wanting to do, and maybe they didn't even have the awareness of what they were even doing wrong. They were just all of a sudden got blasted with all this hate.
0: Yes, and I just felt like, man, when these things come up, how do you react? Are you someone that adds to the hating comments or are you someone that tries to like reach across and try to gain understanding? Here's the other thing. I also didn't feel like I needed to convince this company that what they were doing was wrong and that I'm like judge and jury. You ultimately live your life. If you can live with yourself, that's your prerogative. But for me to say my piece and explain why it's important, I don't know. it It just stood out. So I reached out to the company. Uh, the company is called the Mahjong Line. And I reached out and I got in touch with one of the owners. And I wrote an email and I said, you know, one of the things, I mean, there are many things about this game, but there's a lot of like cultural things that's deep rooted in the game that's related to us. And that's why the characters mean certain things. There's a reason why there are certain words. I'll give you an example. One of the tiles is this green Chinese character. It's called Fa Choi. Chinese New Year, we say gung hei fat choy, which is like prosperous, happy New Year. The translation's a little not exactly perfect. And then at Chinese New Year, we eat this moss that is called fat choy. I don't know. What does it represent? Well, it's uh, the name of the food item. Because the food sounds close to the saying, right. we eat that. There's all these things that are like tied into it. And people don't know that. So I reached out and got in touch with one of the owners, Kate. And we just started communicating back and forth. And we even had a Zoom call. And I could just tell from Kate that she was just extremely overwhelmed by being canceled. And there was a part of me that was like, man, like, is this the right way to approach things? Like, is canceling a company for doing something that I don't agree with the right approach? Or should we as a society be taking the time to have a dialogue, and help people get to an understanding that's a little more even-keeled. And so we started a relationship. And we'll text each other and check in every now and then. But for this episode, I asked Kate to answer a few questions. So I asked Kate a couple of questions. And the first thing I asked her was, can you share your experience when you first found out that the Mahjong line went viral? What was your reaction to the criticisms of whitewashing and a cultural appropriation?
2: It all happened on a Sunday afternoon. My business partner and I had only been in business for two months, you know, and when a company goes viral in the way that ours did, it is a tsunami. I didn't leave my laptop for what felt like 10 days. It's just like a tidal wave of emails, phone calls, social media mobs, media requests, and website crashes. In our case, during that time, we received hundreds and hundreds of death threats, a few of which devolved into FBI cases and other harassment in various forms. While we were keen to listen and learn, with all of that nonsense happening, our one and only concern was our safety and that of our family, and really just staying afloat mentally and emotionally. Once we could come up for air, we sought out open dialogue with those that were coming from a fair and honest place we did wanna hear their perspectives on the accusations of whitewashing and cultural appropriation. You know, conversations were had, articles were shared, Zoom calls with strangers happened, and that time was invaluable. On the topic of whitewashing and cultural appropriation itself, I believe it's something that is not, that is not just this undeniable fact. There is nuance to the debate. Reasonable people can disagree on where the lines are drawn, on cultural appropriation on one side and cross-cultural borrowing and celebration on the other. Our country is one that shares and mixes cultures in so many different forms, be it fashion, art, music, food, pop culture, et cetera, et cetera, and our company is part of that. We don't believe that we have to have a certain heritage or indeed a certain bloodline to open a certain type of business or sell a certain product. To us, that is completely un-American. We know some people disagree with this, and we also know many people agree. Such is the nature of debate.
1: At the beginning, I was like, oh, that's sad to hear about like what they actually experienced and encounter." And I didn't realize they were that brand new either.
0: Yeah. So I guess there had been a couple of other companies out in the marketplace creating different versions of Mahjong tiles. And they felt like, well, we're creative and there's this gap there. So let's create it. So they were only there for two months, it sounds like Kate had said. And suddenly it just went viral. And when she found out, it was It went just viral,
1: like, but not for the right reason.
0: Yes, right? You're like, oh man, it went viral, but for what reason? Like she said, it was like a tsunami from what like she had described. And I'm sure she was getting, she had told me she'd gotten emails from both sides of the fence. Like some people that were like, hey, hang in there. I'm Asian American. I understand what you were trying to do. I think my perspective was like, hey, Kate, I think where the people might be upset is just not paying homage to where the game originated from and maybe some of the language that was used, at least like from a reasonable standpoint. But the going viral thing, I have never had anything go viral. And so I can only imagine what it must be like. I don't know if you heard, but the uh, the show on Netflix, Squid Games. It's I on guess, my
1: list now because it's gone viral.
0: Well, not just that. On one of the scenes, there's a business card with a phone number. And you know how in the movies, phone numbers are usually 555, something, something, something. Apparently this phone number is active and it's mm-hmm. someone's real phone number. And this person is like, I am getting so many messages, so many calls, so many voicemails. It is unwieldy, unmanageable. It has, like, distracted me from my life. Huh. Yeah, and it's gets his phone number went viral. So I can only imagine when something goes viral, the degree to which it impacts, like, your life, regardless of the reason. I would say, at least
1: from what I had seen initially when I heard about it, with the fact that there wasn't the respect homage to the origin of the game and in that time of being viral they went and they changed the language and they added a sentence i think in there and then people are like you think that sentence is enough like it doesn't do anything to address their meaning the owners their understanding of really why we're so mad and for pc reasons you're just putting a sentence on the website that actually added more fuel to the fire and the anger. Now, here's the thing. I'm all about innovation. And one of the things that I enjoy the most is taking two things that you don't necessarily go together, right? And then putting them together and seeing what happens, right? That whole idea of like fusion and bringing things together. So I understood what they were doing from that perspective. But like you were saying, that game means so much to us. And we are a culture that So many things have been changed to appease the whiteness or or the dominance, the white dominance in in America. And so it's kind of like that uh, suppression and then now we're like angry type. I also, while may not have felt as strongly as some of the people that I follow, it still bothered me. So I could see both sides of it. And
0: I guess still now, I just don't know where exactly I fall or feel. Put that at bay for a moment and think about our topic today is really cancel culture. If you're being canceled for something and let's say you do something, how are you able to react in an appropriate way when you're getting barraged with death threats and people hating and comments and then people listing your address on the internet? If we continue to just cancel people, how do we expect people to react in an appropriate way? It's like, okay, they might've done something that you're not happy with, but now they feel attacked. Are they really going to put the energy to further the conversation to sit there and learn? Is that a fair expectation?
1: It depends because there's a lot of factors associated with that. If it's whether or not the company
0: stays afloat or not, well, they better. <laughs> you know what no, but what, I, what I'm talking about, think about this. When I come at you and I call you and I ask you 20 questions, how are you able and I'm coming at you for something no, and you're no, like, I, why are you coming I, at me? How do you react you know, naturally as a yeah, human? I understand. and so, it, it
1: makes it, it makes it harder.
0: Yes. And that's what I'm saying. So maybe their attempt to go up. And again, this isn't really defending either side. This is more of asking a, well, this I is think, not me really taking sides, but this is more of how does a person, how does a business calmly react in the face of getting all this hate? Especially when
1: they weren't expecting or planning it. I would also say too, and I wouldn't know this. I wouldn't know this if you didn't have the conversations with her that you did and told me about it, but I actually have so much respect for the company because knowing what work they're doing on the back end to understand and how they've reached out and talked to a whole bunch of people, I appreciate that. And I think if, yeah, I may not necessarily feel right about it, but they're doing the work, then I give more grace for that. But like you were saying, like, how do they respond in a way? That's not going to add more fuel to the fire to let them let people know that they're doing the work. And is it worth their time and energy to make that transparent to people? Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough place to be in for sure.
0: But that's what I'm saying. Cancel culture doesn't allow for any of that grace, it doesn't allow for like forgiveness. I don't want to be judged on one thing that I put out into the world. And so, cancel culture does that though. It says, you did X, you were automatically bad, you're going in this bucket. Right. And
1: I would say it took this example and having the knowledge of what they're doing on the back end to have that understanding for me to not get so heated when you come across these things that are getting canceled and to like have such a strong like, uh, oh, now I'm not going to support that reaction. I like think about it
0: from both perspectives now, which I would say I didn't do as much before. Well, I think about like the political spectrum as well. You know, when someone... Disagrees with me on an issue. I don't hold that to them and say that's their character. Right. You know, right. there's agree. multifacets to everything. Yep. And I think cancel culture can be a bad thing because it only allows you to see like yeah. that one aspect and no other forgiveness. And both extremes are
1: bad. Both even extremes. if you're leaning exactly. towards one
0: side your side extreme is still bad. But like you said, if it's like a marginalized group and you feel like, man, no one ever listens and suddenly, oh, this is something where you feel like you're a marginalized group and you have power. Right. It's only natural to like grasp that and be like, yes, I agree. Right. Right. So the second question I asked Kate was, um, what are your thoughts and feelings surrounding cancel culture? And
2: have you canceled anything? So I consider myself an activist, and I have used my voice and my pocketbook towards and against the causes that I believe in for most of my life. I begrudge no one if they do the same, regardless of their position. But using your voice in an effective way is the key. That is power, and that brings about positive change one person at a time. Otherwise, you don't gain a soul to come over to see your side of things. Case in point, the first two weeks after we went viral, all the negative, threatening, vulgar voices that were the loudest did nothing to advance the cause of what they were supposedly fighting for, nothing. I wonder if most of those voices do or do not really care about what they're fighting for. They just like to inflict pain along with the mob and the words they used were the best evidence of that. The people that make an impact on us and made an impact on us and our company are the ones that use their voices effectively, and we are so grateful for those people that did so and took the time to do so. As for cancel culture, which, you know, not to be confused with online movements that have meaning and value that fundamentally change society... Cancel culture is a horrible scourge on our society and one that has only come about because of the dark side of social media. Cancel culture mostly finds an error or a mistake and takes the incredibly lazy approach of wanting to attack and literally shut down, quote unquote, a person or a company, much like the efforts of the first 10 days for us. It is lazy, and it comes down to basic bullying and snark. The whole routine is always the same. Sick an army of your followers onto someone or something and relentlessly attack them on a personal level, hoping it will do them under. Make an uproar for a while and then move on to the next target. And oftentimes, it is over something that is an oversight or a mistake or a misunderstanding. You know, just as a human, I question where is all the grace? Where are all the people that were taught at a young age that you learn from your mistakes every day and that there are massive opportunities for improvement to get better and better? Why has it become an acceptable form of communication to try to take someone or something down through bullying, harassment, intimidation, other more serious threats. Fight for the causes that you believe in, but do it in a meaningful and thoughtful way, which does take time. That is how you bring people along with you. So one thing I was thinking
1: about in her response, which I think aligns with how you started off this episode talking about cancel culture. And I don't Yes, I, I see those things that she mentioned as being part of it, but maybe I, I've been thinking about cancel culture in the less extreme form on that spectrum of just being like, I'm not going to follow someone or I'm outraged, but I'm not the one who, like, comments. And obviously, from her experience, she, she's, like, deeply into what it means to be canceled. And so she has certainly a, a probably a more accurate definition and perspective of what it actually means to be cancelled.
0: Oh, when Kate sent me that, I was like, my gosh, like traumatizing. Yeah. Like, you can hear the trauma. Yeah. And all of it. Yeah. And
1: then it does really bring about like where's the decency and people. It's interesting that she used the word lazy, uh, a lazy form because I, I don't know if I would use that word per se. It's just it is a form. It may not be the best form and We had read comments together that we saw that people were responding to and we were saying like, how does this really help? Or you can clearly tell from some of the comments too that it was like, you're just being offensive to a game of my culture and you're just making up a new version. So that already showed that the person who had commented didn't even have the understanding that there was another version out there. So it it minimizes the validity of that
0: comment. And that's where I think it gets dangerous because think about the people that are Chinese-American who probably barely know any Chinese, who maybe know lightly what the game is, and then they're speaking on behalf of this whole group of people and they're trying to represent them. And I don't want that person necessarily representing me. I want to represent myself and my experiences.
1: And I would say something that the Asian-American community is, having to have to realize is that because we had such a huge influx of Asian people come over to the US in the mid 19th century, you now have such a variation of the Asian American now, because you still have some that are that have just come to America. And then you have some where their parents came over to America. And then now they have maybe a child that is mixed age right, there's so many variations now that you can't look at air quote us in a group as much anymore. But it's interesting that what Asian Americans do when we also criticize being put all into one group, right? Right. It doesn't matter if you're Chinese, Japanese, Korean, right? But we're now talking and, and representing ourselves as one singular group. And it's just interesting because that's one thing that they also say about Asian Americans is like they end up, what do you call, like following what that stereotype is or how they're perceived. They just kind of go along with it. So in some ways, they've kind of internalized it.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. So this controversy is what kind of got me interested in learning more about like, what is the American version? And my old manager, she took some time off from work and she got into playing Mahjong and she just like absolutely loves it. And I'm like, okay, tell me about it. So she was telling me about the jokers and I was telling her, oh, we have flowers instead and the flowers have to line up with your position in the table and also which round you're playing in. And we were just like sharing information. I think it's only natural that things evolve. You know, I still want to keep the original Chinese version like very sacred to me. I think it's natural for things to evolve. But we were sharing just the different versions to each other and how it is. And she's like, I'd love to learn the Chinese version one day. And I was like, yeah, I'll play the American version with you and check it out. You know, it's so hard because why can't you keep both? Why can't you say this was born out of another group's love for the culture? Yeah, And we still have the original one.
1: Yeah. And maybe it just might be still in that transitionary phase where yes. because there wasn't that awareness. I think that was pro- probably, I keep on saying it, but I think that was part of the problem. It that was. That there wasn't an awareness in the Asian American community that there was an American version of Mahjong. Yes. I mean, the only American version that I knew of is like the ones that used to be on that computer game and then they had different configurations of how you stack the tiles. They're just just dot matching tiles. And then you just match the tiles which, in Chinese, there is that version too. So, it's not like that got whitewashed, but That became the mainstream version of Mahjong in America, the one where you match the tiles.
0: Yes. And again, you know, I don't believe we need to be judge and jury for everything. Just because I'm Chinese American doesn't mean I am the sole voice and I represent everything. Everyone else can have their own perspectives and views. I just think the way we go about conveying those views and trying to provide understanding and awareness is not necessarily effective through Yeah. But like we were saying with the pros of cancel culture, it does
1: bring the awareness of like, yes, there is cultural appropriation that explains why there was so much anger in the Asian American community. And it makes people people think about the issue. I guess the problem, right? And when we talk about the cons is that I don't know if there's a lot of Asian Americans that maybe did the due diligence like we did in terms of, Understanding that there is an American version and that we can have the best of both or have both versions, but still honoring the original form. And I get a sense from the comments that people are just angry and mad and not even knowing that still that there's an American form to it. So that's the con of
0: this situation specifically. And I get it. I'm a traditionalist. I will always love the traditional game. So the last question that I asked Kate was, as you reflect on this experience, how has it changed your perspective on business, social media, and society?
2: As much as social media helps our company and others get our brand and product out into the world in a cheaper way than traditional advertising and media, from a societal perspective, it's degrading our discourse. The way some people talk to each other and about others online is not how those same people would interact with someone face to face. And people on both sides of the political divide are at fault of this. And as a mother, it completely horrifies me to imagine a younger person than I am, perhaps without a family support system, perhaps with a mental health issue, be on the receiving end of what we went through albeit on a smaller scale. It's so scary to think about that. And people's lives are literally at risk. I don't have a solution for it, but it has impacted the way that I consume news. So I consciously will not engage on clickbait articles with snarky headlines, and instead now will focus on reading the long articles and taking the time to really learn more, and it also has changed how I consume social media on a personal level, and finally, it's, it's changed how we conduct business. It's given us a new perspective. You know, we strive to be humble, listen and learn, reach out and support other female-owned startups, and also just, you know, put the work in to support many causes that we believe in and are passionate about. A person or business's intent does matter, and staying true to yourself is also important. We will make mistakes, surely, and we have learned that that's okay. As we were taught when we were young, they are just opportunities for growth. I think her
1: approach to how she thinks about her consumption is good because she understands why she now... Digest content in the way that she does, because I feel like with the rise of social media and how quickly it comes people just consume and not really thinking about their source. And I remember a couple of years ago I took like a institutional data like certificate, and it really got you to question like when you see stats, like look to see who's funding that research to get you that stat, right? It's like the same thing when I watched the netflix documentary what the hell and if you look to see who funds that it's basically organizations that promote a vegan lifestyle so yeah they're going to shit on eggs (laughs) right and why you shouldn't eat it and why it's bad i'm laughing because rock hates eggs (laughs) (laughs) i know so in that way i'm like fine but even someone who likes or who does not like eggs And watching that documentary, it made me even like raise an eyebrow with being like, wait, you're telling people not to consume eggs? And that's where that light went off in my head of like, oh, there's an agenda here, right? It's not blatant and they don't say you should follow a vegan diet, but go do your research about who's funding that agenda. And then you're like, oh, it makes so much sense. But can we go find another documentary on Netflix that tells you the benefit of why you should eat meat? Yeah, I can I can find that data for you, too. Right. So it's just understanding that don't believe everything that you're reading for that one article and to really do your research
0: diligence. It really is. Right. And it's it's being able to like step back and say, okay, this is upsetting me. Why am I upset by it? Let me go research and understand the different angles of the issues. But we're so fast sometimes to just jump to conclusions and put in that little comment. Now I don't put the minimal amount of time. Exactly. And I think that's where Kate might have been saying, you know, it's like the lazy approach. I, I think that's what she was kind of alluding to. It's just easier to go to a comment than go spend some time researching, having discourse and dialogue. And I'm not saying our approach is like perfect, but it was just something that made sense. And after like looking back on this perspective and You know, having this dialogue with Kate, it only enriches both of our lives to have the different perspectives. And then you can take with it what you may. If I show you all these arguments and you don't agree with it, at least you're informed and you've heard them versus had you never heard them to be. Well,
1: I always talk about awareness and understanding. And like I had said earlier, if you didn't reach out to Kate and have told me about your dialogue with her, I'd probably still be on like the angry side. I mean, I wouldn't go like after her per se, but I would be like, that's not gonna be a company that I support. Even though when I saw the website, I was like, ooh, this is actually real cute. You know, like, (laughs) they used a lot of, like, cute colors. If I didn't know the original game, I would be like, these are actually, like, pieces of art. Yeah. You know, like, I would have had that. But I didn't even let myself feel that because... I had to do my culture justice, right? Yes. And and, and that's what and I'm deal saying. With the fe- yeah. Yeah. That's the what I'm saying.
0: Of, like yeah. it makes us rush to conclusions and then no no one on either side can think with like a level head.
1: Right. And you're not making any progress forward either in their understanding which you might find important as an individual, but also like, you're not perfect either. So you could also be growing and changing too. So who's to say that this game must only be the original origin, which I don't think was our argument at the beginning. No, we were just saying there was no respect to that, right. And especially in a culture that's all about respecting tradition.
0: That's, that's offensive. Yes. And you guys have heard in our podcast, we constantly teeter that line between East and West that I think that was an early episode that we had talked about because We do feel that battle.
1: Right. So, in summary, give me like your takeaway, your recap in like a few sentences.
0: Yeah. I think, in summary, the idea is that when you come across an issue that you don't necessarily agree with, that you're enraged about, rather than, you know, feeling to the fire, maybe take a step back, understand your feelings. They're valid. Anytime you feel enraged, I always say you're allowed to feel that way. But I think it also, to be a responsible individual, you should go and do some research to understand the different angles reach out and think about how your actions moves the conversation forward as opposed to just complaining or stifling it or worsening the situation yeah and then really
1: have that reflection of yourself of it's okay for you to change what you think and to be open and not just think that it's the other that is wrong correct right or the other one that needs to change because you'll find so much more peace with yourself when you think about how can I respond differently or where there are a gap in my understanding. And that's how you can do that whole self improvement piece. So absolutely. I really do appreciate Kate for doing that because especially in a culture of cancel culture and as someone who got canceled, I know it's hard to go put yourself out there even in other ways after the fact. Oh, too, absolutely and a, that big,
0: out. a very big thank you to the Mahjong line and to Kate for joining our podcast. I know it was not easy. She was very hesitant, but she felt like it was the right thing to do. And I just want to thank you all so much for being a part of this episode.
1: So as usual, don't forget to rate, review, rate, review, and uh, comment. <laughs> like, <Light laughs> <Forget> listen. <what laughs> all those things with the podcast. And you can follow us on Instagram at Parallel Ways. And then we will also have the Mahjong Live connected to those things as well if you want to check them out
0: absolutely thanks so much folks we'll talk to you next week toodles